0: Welcome to the Weekly Hook, a podcast where one of us chooses a topic they're hooked on and the other has no idea what's coming. We're your hookers, Chris and Richard, and today the part I really loved was chasing him. We have some exciting new stuff coming soon. The Mandalorian Season 3 is wrapping up and of course we'll be talking all about it. But we also have our serially hooked anniversary coming up soon and have something very special planned for you. Can we believe it's been two years? it's incredible and so much fun so uh yeah thanks everyone who's been along for the ride and for at least two more years i suppose um cheers to that if you want to you know stay connected get every every new episode that comes up make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and if you want to get in touch you can do that at serialhook.com where you can also get all our latest info. And with that, don't you think the internet and the dreams are similar? I I assume, Rashad, you don't know from those two quotes what I'm going to be talking about today? Absolutely no idea. Yeah, I can't fault you for that. I wouldn't know myself. But t- today I want to talk about a visionary director um, who has been working in animation. And this director is called Satoshi Kon. Never heard of them. <laughs> wow. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Okay, okay. So I'm going to talk about him and his work a little bit and I don't want to, you know, as I want to do, I don't want to spoil too much. I will give a brief overview about his life and work and um you know, f- of course, Richard feel free to ask questions throughout And uh, yeah, I'm just going to wax lyrical about him and his work. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so born and raised in Sapporo, Japan, uh, Satoshi Kon started out as a mangaka, among other things, being a part of the team of Katsuhiro Otomo's groundbreaking Akira, adapted Otomo's live-action movie World Apartment Horror, co-created Seraphim with Mamoru Oshii. At the same time, oshii's seminal movie ghost in the shell was created and also con created the intertextual work aptly named opus he then turned to anime to huge critical success being a truly groundbreaking visionary who directed and mostly wrote four masterpiece movies within 10 years before he died quite suddenly of pancreatic cancer in August of 2010 at the age of 46, only three months after he had gotten the diagnosis with another film, Dreaming Machine, Left Unfinished. He also wrote and directed the amazing 13-episode TV show Paranoia Agent, as well as the stunningly beautiful one-minute short film Good Morning, which I think is on YouTube and just readily available. So if you want to just get c- catch a glimpse of his work for like a minute you can do that very easily again it's called good morning nice so uh, today i want to focus on his cinema uh, his cinematic work uh, because you know he that's what i've known him mostly for and i think he really excels at that he truly i think in my mind has been a visionary who has big name fans such as guillermo del toro and darren aronofsky who's uh, paying homage to his work in his own movies, Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan. And also uh, Christopher Nolan's Inception was very clearly, uh, let's say, inspired by Khan's last movie. So his first movie, Perfect Blue, came out in 1997. Perfect Blue follows a pop idol, Mima, who faces an identity crisis as she tries to pivot into acting, is stalked by an obsessive fan, and gruesome deaths occur around her. And it's all right there from the very beginning. Khan has always been interested in dualities throughout his work, and in this movie he examines the uh, parallels and differences between the online and the real world, or rather the analog or the digital world in uh, today's parlance the nature of fame, female celebrities and their sexualization, the persona of famous people and the nature of parasocial relationships of fans with those personas rather than the people themselves. Foreshadowing how we interact like online, mostly today, the difference between you and the image that you portray on the internet, on social media and beyond, more than 25 years after this movie came out, and watching this movie today is really uncanny. Uh, not only does it hold up, I would say its importance has only increased. The second movie of Satoshi Kon's, Millennium Actress, came out in 2001. On the face of it, it's just kind of an interview of a once famous movie star, Chioko, who now lives out of view of the public. But as the interview unfolds, the interviews are literally drawn into Tyoko's memories, which merge her film characters and her real life man- memories, questioning what is real and what is fiction. And Con perceived of perfect blue and Millennium Actress as being two sides of the same coin, both concerned with blurring the boundary between fiction and reality, with the former being focused on the negative side of human nature, whilst the latter is more about the positive side. And whereas Perfect Blue's blurring of that boundary is really disturbing sometimes, Millennium Actress is mostly enjoyable, often comedic, sometimes tragic. Satoshi Kon's third movie is very different from the rest. 2003's Tokyo Godfathers does not concern itself as overtly with the same dualities as the other three films, Rather, chance and coincidence take center stage in this movie. Almost, It has almost this like fairy tale in an urban setting sort of vibe. A Christmas miracle story that follows three homeless people, a drunk, a drag queen, and a runaway, trying to find the parents of a newborn baby that they found on the streets. And in doing so, they all reconnect to people from their pasts. And this story, it's, it's really about family, family lost and found, about homelessness in both the economic and the emotional meaning of the word. And despite the dissimilarities of Khan's three other movies, Tokyo Godfathers is just as prescient in its depiction of its themes, I find. And now, last but certainly not least, we have Paprika. It came out in 2006 and is an adaptation of Yatsutaka Tsutsui's novel of the same name. In the near future, a device has been constructed to help patients with psychological problems by gaining access to their subconscious, recording and viewing their dreams. One of those devices, however, gets into the, the wrong hands and is wreaking havoc, hacking into people's minds, and distorting the line between dream and reality. The movie follows a group of researchers that is responsible for the device's creation to stop this madness. Center stage is Dr. Atsuko Chiba and her dream world alter ego, Paprika. And once again, Satoshi Kon devotes attention to the duality between what's real and what is not. In this case, the increasingly fragile distinction between dreams and reality and con absolutely nails the portrayal of the surreal nature of dreams and the meaning of the abstract uh, as the like abstract manifestations of our subconscious desires with really mind-blowing animation and in my opinion i mean this is very quickly a summary of those four movies uh, again i don't want to sort of you know spoil too much but, uh, I hope I can just nail down how truly amazing it is. of course, I'm just telling you this now, and it's difficult to portray like the visual style of it. I guess you just gotta see for yourself, but just I think this this person who's just done so much work in ten years is truly incredible, and he's truly. Elevated the medium of animation to another level. Um, he, yes, he kind of explores similar themes in all of his movies, but they're also incredibly distinct in, you know, execution, visual style, tone, and plot. That it never re- really becomes repetitive in any way. The animation is just stunning, with Khan's uh, visual and directorial handwriting being so distinct. And he's just a master. For, that's just one kind of example. But he's a master of transitions, especially his match cuts. And um, I would put him up there with Edgar Wright, which, as you know, is the highest praise I can give in this regard. Wow, that's a big deal. <laughs> that is a really big deal. But if you watch any of his movies, I think you will f- find you know, <laughs> what what I mean when I talk about this and yeah satoshi kon used the medium of animation to truly great artistic achievement i think i cannot overstate <laughs> i really cannot overstate how how much of an artist he has he has been and you know pushing the forefront of this medium uh to tell the stories he wants to tell in a way that's not limited by what is kind of achievable in real life if you will um but rather the best way to put his creative visions on the screen and just in every aspect whether that's writing direction animation his movies are just as relevant today if not more than they were at the time when they came out and i mean yeah <laughs> as i want to do a, again i don't want to spoil anything i just wanted to give you sort of the elevator pitch to kind of yeah just go go and see these movies um they're all amazing in their own kind in their own ways and you can never go wrong uh with which with any movie i would say if you're if you can't stomach like anything that's truly like thriller or horror-esque probably go more with Millennium Actress or Tokyo Godfathers but if you're feeling it definitely also watch Perfect Blue or Paprika and just watch Satoshi Kon's work he's and I don't want to use this term lightly but I think he was a real genius in his way
1: How gory are you talking about?
0: Pretty 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 bad i mean not like akira style body deformation sort of thing but because of the like it's more psychological as well like some more such psychological horrory things um and because of the blurring of the you know what is real and what is not it's kind of you know it can be kind of nightmarish
1: so, as an intro into his work, what would be the best way to go about starting watching his uh, material or his films?
0: Uh, I would say the uh, easiest to stomach is probably Millennium Actress.
1: Okay. But you don't have to have seen Perfect Blue to watch Millennium Actress then? No,
0: not at all. Not at all. They're all very distinct, I would say. like, not, They don't really pay like there there's one scene in paprika where you see kind of uh movie posters for for con's previous films but that's i think the only kind of cross-pollination between those movies
1: all right that's pretty cool and then of course i'm gonna have to ask you to rank your top four <laughs> of <we> course <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah of course um I would say my number four is Tokyo Godfathers, just because I'm I'm going to say this though, like they're all four amazing movies. It's just, you know, something has to be number four. And I think it's the the one that I think least about. Um I, I say that I have only watched Paprika for the first time yesterday. So uh so there is kind of a slight <laughs> you know it doesn't quite add up with like obviously i've thought less about paprika because i've only seen it yesterday but um tokyo godfather this is a really charming story that is also kind of tragic sometimes but it's yeah it's just the least i would say immersive of the four uh, for my taste and so that's my number four I, th- I would say my number three just because i have watched it only yesterday would be paprika uh, again just incredible especially the dream sequences are amazing um and i'm sure that it'll give the other two movies more of a, of a run for their money but for now to be fair to the other two movies i can only rank it at number three but i you know it is kind of one of the best the examples of what this medium can do to point at so uh yeah it's it's definitely up there and then it's really a question about so i say i would say perfect blue is the better movie but Uh, it's also because of what it is about it's more difficult like i would i would probably nine or eight times out of ten i would probably much rather watch millennium actress than perfect blue so it's kind of difficult to rank the two of them in that way um i would still say maybe millennium actress is number two and perfect blue is my number one even though I w- I would watch it way less than Millennium Actress.
1: Yeah, this isn't a rewatching or re-rewatchable sort of list. This is what's your favorite, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, but then again, if if, you know, if they're both pretty similar, but I I would watch one way less, can you really say it's it's my favorite? It's difficult. But yeah, I would say Millennium Actress at 2 perfect blue at 1, but it's it's really not like it's really really close all of them maybe there is i would say the biggest gap between those four is between Tokyo Godfathers and Paprika but they're all amazing
1: so you talked about him investigating the concepts of reality and technology or reality and dreams and i'm wondering do you think he has and I, maybe i missed this in your in your spiel but do you think he has sort of a message as to the role of technology in, in its relationship to reality? Is it something that we should fear? Is it something that is part of humanity and that we should adapt? I don't know if there is sort of a a conclusion that he kind of reaches in some of his films.
0: Yeah, that's uh, like the technology aspect is mostly in paprika um, because it is about this device. Um, And, you know, there is a back and forth between kind of the, responsibility of the researchers of you know unleashing something like that on the world um, and it doesn't really take take sides the movie does but I would say when it comes to the distinction between reality and let's call it fiction where whether it's dreams or uh, fantasies or um, maybe memories, I'm. I. Th- I read somewhere that Khan kind of also sees those two as not really distinguishable, or the distinction between them as not really important, because from a filmmaker's perspective, they're kind of you know what's true for you subjectively um, is your truth, sort of thing, which you know can could could be. Uh, <laughs> could be kind of uh, worked into something questionable, uh, uh, you know, thinking about the, the, you know, the the nature of what is true. But um, in, in terms of the things that he is talking about in his movies, they kind of, there is definitely a friction, especially when it obviously comes to something like conflict where, what you perceive is in dissonance to the, everybody around you. Um, but I don't think he really takes sides on that either. He just kind of, he's just looking at it from different angles, but he doesn't really take a stance or anything.
1: That's interesting. Uh, I'm wondering, um, uh, because you're really being, you're obfuscating because you don't want to spoil stuff because I want to kind of now know (laughs) what happens.
0: Excellent. My plan has worked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well done. Uh,
0: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. You know, obviously, I mean, you know, I, I, I did give some plot summaries and you know spoiling a little bit a little bit but um probably the uh sort of (laughs) the kind of more elaborate summaries of the plot would not detract from the enjoyment of the movies but uh well maybe for perfect blue because there is a lot of tension there and you don't really know what's go- what's going on with the uh, with all of the others it, there is sort of a kind of i would say it's less important for the other three movies but you know you know me i, I and <laughs> i don't want to spoil things and also as you just stated you kind of agreed with me that way that doing it this way makes you more intrigued to watch the movies so (laughs) i think that's the right way to go about it
1: (laughs) well i guess i mean that's all i can do now is just go and watch some of his films (laughs) um do you know where they're accessible to watch
0: i mean it depends on where you are right um i'm not too sure honestly i rented paprika yesterday um uh, maybe some of them are more, you know, integrated into more, like services where you just pay a monthly fee. I'm not too sure, so it just probably depends on where you are. So I, I I'm afraid I can't help you with that.
1: <laughs> I'll find out. I'll find out.
0: Yeah, there's a way.
1: Where there's a will, there's a way.
0: True, and uh, yeah. I'm happy that you're now too, very interested to check him out and I'd be curious to hear what how you find the experience of watching his movies.
1: I can't wait. Excellent.
0: So thank you, Richard, for indulging my elevator pitch, if you will, of Satoshi Kon. And um, thank you, dear listener, for taking a part in this as well. Uh, I hope you've found this as enticing as Richard did. And if you've enjoyed the show, make sure, again, to subscribe so you can stay up to date with our releases, have all our new episodes come straight to your podcast player of choice. If you're you're up for it, also leave us a review or rating wherever you can do that, whether that's Apple or Spotify or Overcast or whatever else. We'd be grateful for that as well. For Rashad, I'm Chris and talk to you next time. Bye.